Second Kings chapter 7 in your Bible and verse 3. I want to speak about a crisis that occurred in the Old Testament. A crisis in many ways far worse than the one we are in so far. I want you to see from the pages of the Old Testament that God can bring deliverance to any people in any crisis. And I want you to see also how he does it. The Bible reads in 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 3, Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why do we sit here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, then the famine is in the city, and we will die there. And if we sit here, we will die also. Now therefore come and let us go over to the camp of the Arameans. If they spare us, we will live. And if they kill us, we will but die. And they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Arameans. When they came to the outskirts of the camp of the Arameans, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had caused an army of the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and the sound of horses, even the sound of a great army. So they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come up to us. Therefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their donkeys, even the camp just as it was, and fled for their life. I want to use as a subject this morning, march forward toward hope. And I want you to take to heart the things God's word is going to teach us today. For certainly these days require us to go forward in hope. Father, I ask you this evening, this morning, to anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I ask you to anoint the hearing of this congregation that they might receive the word and put it to use in their life. We ask that in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You know that the city of Samaria, the captain of the, the capital of the nation of Israel, found itself in a dire crisis. It had been surrounded by the Aramean army, which uh, you would better know as the Syrian army. The Syrian king Ben-Hadda had come against the nation of Israel. He had laid siege to the capital city, and a great trouble came upon that city. First of all, they were surrounded by an enemy. An enemy was wh whose intent was to totally destroy the nation of Israel. Then within the city and around the nation, there was a famine. There was no food, a shortage of food and water. This was an aggravating circumstance. On top of the surrounding a besiegement of the city by the enemy and the famine within, there was also economic inflation. The Bible said that the people had resorted to eating unclean animals. Among them was the donkey, and the donkey's head was sold for 80 pieces of gold. There was a dramatic rise in the cost of basic everyday things. And on the inside of the city, 
there was a people and a king in despair. The Bible said that one day, this is all in chapter 6 of 2 Kings, if you choose to read it. One day as the king was walking on the wall of the city, he looked down and a woman called out to him and said, help me. You can hear the despair in his voice as the king, Ben-Hadda, says to her, he says, woman, if God in heaven doesn't help you, how can I? He asked her, what's going on in your life? She said, my baby died. And my neighbor's baby died. She said to me, let's eat your baby today. And tomorrow we'll eat mine. The city had resorted to cannibalism. And they were eating human flesh. When the king heard this, the Bible said that he tore his clothes. This was an ancient Israeli symbol of mourning and despair. It was a signal that he had reached the end. And there we see the devastation and the crisis in which that land found itself. But I want you to see something that when he tore his clothes, the people who saw him, they realized that under his kingly garments, he was wearing sackcloth. Sackcloth was the ancient Israeli way of dressing during the time of mourning. If you can think of an old American potato sack, that's what sackcloth is. The itch uh, and the scratch of sackcloth on the skin was meant to irritate the body, to remind you that you needed to humble yourself before God. The king, who had been a wicked king, in fact, perhaps never really became anything more than a wicked king, was at that moment bearing witness to the fact that he had to humble himself before God. The king of Israel was wearing sackcloth as a symbol of his humiliation and absolute need of God. Friends, this is the first step to any and all recovery of a crisis whether that crisis is national or global. The effect is always the same on the individual. That crisis affects us in each in our own way. But friend, the way out is always to come to God in repentance. That's what sackcloth represents. It represents the repentant heart coming in humility before God and acknowledging I cannot save myself. America today is in a crisis along with the nations of the world. We cannot save ourselves, but there is a God who can save. There is a God who does save, and he says to us that if we will confess our sin, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. You say, Pastor, is there a need for national repentance? Friend, I think you know the answer to that question. And what I would encourage you to do today and throughout this week, I would encourage each and every person individually to find a time of prayer and to have God search your heart. Say, Lord, is there anything I need to repent of personally? Is there anything my family needs to repent of? Why is this important? 
When you and I repent before God, when we humble ourselves to Him, the Bible says He looks far away at the proud, but He draws near to the humble. And this is why I believe this is so important this morning. I believe that if the church will pray, if the church will seek God's face, if the church will humble itself before God, that the Lord will send healing to our land. But more than that, He will send an awakening to our nation and revive the spirit of this nation to serve the true and living God. And friends, for this to happen, there must be a readiness in the church, a readiness to serve God, to witness, and to be bold in our faith. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you haven't already done so, I know there are many, many thousands of people searching their hearts. I heard one radio broadcaster this week say, I was on my bed for 30 minutes praying. This is an unheard of matter, but it is the only answer for a people to come to God in repentance and to say, Lord, we've sinned against you. To say, as David said, search my heart, O God, and if there is any froward way in me, heal it, change it, deliver it. I want to be like you. This morning, we see this king going to God in humility and saying, God, I need your help for the sake of my people, for the sake of the nation. And tonight or this morning, you and I have that same opportunity. You don't have to tear your garments. Simply open your heart before God and acknowledge your need for him. Now the second thing we see in chapter 7 of 2 Kings. The Bible says that Elisha said in chapter 7 verse 1, listen to the word of the Lord. Now the first thing you need in order to have salvation from a crisis is repentance and returning of your heart to God. The second thing is you must have the word of the Lord. You must have a heart that's open to what God is trying to say to you or what God is saying to you. The prophet said, listen to the word of the Lord. And I just want to ask you this morning, are you listening to the word of the Lord? I have no doubt that every member of this church and all the Christians around the nation today are desperately seeking the face of God and that we are praying and saying, God, what are you doing here? We want to know. We want to understand. But can I just tell you that God has been speaking to you already. He's been speaking to you for the last few months, Kingsway Church. Let, rem let me remind you of the things he has said. At the beginning of this year, he spoke to us about Abraham and his intercession for the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. How could we have known then that God was calling us to intercede because the world would have come into a devastating global crisis. God was calling us then to intercession and he's calling us to intercessory prayer today. He also told us this at the beginning of the year. Those of you who will remember this, the Lord said, I will go ahead of you. I want you to say that with me. The Lord is going ahead of me. Do you realize God was telling you at the beginning of 2020, 
I have already gone into this year. I will go ahead of you. I will prepare a way. Listen, God has been here before you and I got here. And this crisis is nothing new to him. And his, his confident message to you this morning is I've gone ahead of you with my promises. I've gone ahead of you in prophecy. And I've gone ahead of you with my presence. And I will make a way for you. And I will lead you out and through this crisis. He told us also this year, breakthrough will visit your house. Have you forgotten the word of the Lord? Given to a widow in her crisis. She was told, thus said the Lord. She obeyed the word of God and she sowed seed into the kingdom of God. And breakthrough came to her house and breakthrough will visit your house this year. I am confident of that. The Lord also told us, behold the shepherd's staff. Put your eyes on the shepherd. Don't look to your own way. Don't look to Washington. Look to God. Put your eyes on the shepherd. For the Bible said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And this word is true today. You say, preacher, what's God's word for me this morning? What's God's word for me in the middle of this crisis? Listen closely, friend. God's word to you is, number one, I love you. God loves you, friend. God loves you more than you could love yourself. He loves you so much that he died. He sent his son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. God loves you with an everlasting love. God loves you with a love that you'll never find the, the edges of, nor the depth of, nor the height of. He loves you. And he wants you to know his son Jesus as your savior. God's message to you this morning is Jesus saves. Jesus saves. There's only one who can save. There's only one who can deliver. His name is Jesus. And Jesus saves today. He saves from sin. He saves from disease. And he saves from death. And he gives you eternal life if you'll turn your trust to him. God's message to you this morning is Jesus is coming back. He promised us. He said, I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also. When you see the things going on in our world, they are a sign to you that Jesus is soon to be return. We ought to be expecting the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, friends, his return is for his church. He's coming back for a bride. He's coming back for a people who are ready and who have given their life to him. The signs are all around us. Jesus is coming back. Are you ready for his coming? Are you ready for his return? God's message for you this morning is that God has a plan. God has a plan for you. Washington, D.C., we're praying for all of our leaders. But they are at the daily edge of making decisions. Every single day, they're having to make decisions. And we wonder sometimes, what's the plan? But God has a plan. 
God has a plan for your life, for your family. He has a plan for Beville, for the nations of the world. The Bible says he spoke to the nation of Israel in Jeremiah 29 when they went into exile. And he said to them, I know the thoughts that I have toward you. I know the plan that I have for you, declares the Lord. A plan to prosper you. A plan to give you a future and a hope. You're not at the whim of chance and fate this morning. You are not left alone to circumstance. You are not in the wild wave, uh, waves of the sea of fate. You are in the hands of the Almighty God and He has a plan for your life and His plan will come to pass. His plan will stand. The, the king humbled himself before God. The people received the word of God. And then the Bible tells us the third thing that happened was that the four lepers who were at the gate of the city made a decision. There were four lepers at the gate of Samaria. And they thought to themselves, if we go in the city, there's famine in there and we will but die. If we stay here, we're lepers and we're going to die. Why should we stay here until we die? Let us go and attack the Syrian army. At the time, the Syrians were the largest field army in the region. These four lepers didn't stand a chance. But they had a word from God. Say amen, somebody. I said they had a word from God. Listen. They said, let's go attack the Syrians. Either they'll kill us, in which case we're going to die anyway. Or they'll take us as prisoners of war, in which case they have to feed us. These guys were calculating. They were perhaps not even thinking on spiritual terms, but they were getting in line with what God was doing in that world at that time. They made a decision. The same kind of decision you have to make today. Have you made your decision? Have you made a decision to follow God? Have you made a decision to put uh, to live your life by faith instead of fear? Have you made a decision to walk forward in faith and in hope? Listen to what the Bible says in Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21 describes the things we're seeing today. These are the signs that will come before the end of the church age. False Christs. Jesus said, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ or I am the Messiah. Second thing he said, there will be wars. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Then he said, there will be natural disasters, earthquakes, famine. Plagues in diverse places. And then he said there will be persecution of believers. These things are happening in our world. But I want you to think about that natural disasters for just a minute. This last few weeks we've seen 
a serious number of tornadoes in the United States. I read an article this week saying there have been more than 600 earthquakes in the United States this month, upon this last week or two. We see the, the plague of locusts attacking the crops in Africa, devastating that part of the world. And we see the coronavirus pandemic, a worldwide pandemic that has touched 93% of the nations of the world. They've shut their borders, and America as well. When you read all these things in the Bible, in Luke 21, the very next thing Jesus says, he says, this is not the end. If someone asks you, are we living in the great tribulation, you just tell them, no, not yet. This is not the end. That day is coming. But these are the things we're going to see before the rapture of the church. Before the catching away of the body of Christ. We're seeing them today. They are the signs that the day of, of, of his return is coming. They are the signs that the rapture of the church is coming. But the very next verse says this. This is so that you will make up your mind ahead of time. Do you hear the word of God this morning? He says, make up your mind. These four lepers made up their mind. We're not going to just sit here and be defeated. We're not just going to sit here and die. We are going to take the weapons of our faith and march forward in hope. They made up their mind, let's go and attack the army of the enemy. Listen, friends, you and I have done what we can with prevention. You and I are doing what we can as we support the efforts of our nation. But you and I must go into spiritual warfare and in prayer and march forward in hope and see until God brings a deliverance. The next thing they did was they went together. Everyone said together. Listen. There were four lepers. All four of them went on this assignment. I know it sounds ridiculous to think that four lepers could attack the largest army in the world. But they went in unity. And the Bible tells us that there is power in our unity. Jesus said, if two or three of you will gather together in my name, I am in your midst. The Bible tells us, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That's why I'm glad we're here this morning on this parking lot. Because it's together that we are able to fight this fight. To encourage one another in this most holy faith. They went together. Because the solution to the crisis you're in today is to find unity. Unity around the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Unity in your faith. And friends, there are many reasons today that people are finding to be divided. I want to address a couple of things with you just a minute. There's a stigma that's being attached to the coronavirus. People who have been infected with the coronavirus are being shamed. 
And we hear the blame. Recently, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom was uh, confirmed positive for the coronavirus. I read a headline that said, where did he get it? And who did he give it to? That's the way our world responds to crisis. Blaming, stigmatizing, shaming. Listen, friends, no person who has contracted or been confirmed with this virus received it because of their own fault. This virus is in the world because of the effects of sin, because of a broken world around us. We need to come together and support those who are sick that they might be made well, to support those who are fighting this fight on the front lines, our medical personnel, not nurses and doctors. They need our prayers and our support. You and I must come together to say we're going to unite, not divide, especially not now, because the kingdom of God advances boldly when the people of God come together in unity and in hope. You and I will get through this as we stand in our faith together, just as we have through crisis in the past. So we will again, because God says, Behold how good and how beautiful it is for the brethren to dwell in unity. For there the Lord commands a blessing and life forevermore. And let me tell you this also. Deuteronomy chapter 25 verse 18. It tells us about when the nation of Israel went through the desert for 40 years. As they moved around in the desert for 40 years. The Bible said that some of them would straggle, that get behind. Or they'd get left altogether. And Deuteronomy 25, 18 says that the enemy would attack the stragglers. Attack those that were left behind. Listen, we must march forward in hope. We must march, march forward in confidence toward God. But we must do so together. We must look out for one another. Call your brother and your sister. Encourage your neighbor. Love those who are around you. Look out for the body of Christ. We are one body, one baptism, one confession, one Lord, and one Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't get left behind. Don't stop coming to church. Don't stay away from the house of prayer because the enemy wants to use this time in your life to separate you from God. What he doesn't know is that because of the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of us, this time in our life will make us more united and stronger in faith than ever before. And this is absolutely going to happen in your life because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And because of the word of God. These four lepers marched toward their hope. They marched in confidence because they had a word from God. What are they telling us in Washington this week?
They're telling us that the next two weeks will be the most difficult of the crisis. As of this morning, more than 9,000 Americans have perished because of the coronavirus. That's 9,000 families, 9,000 homes, lives lost. And they're telling us that more than 100,000, possibly as many as 200,000, can die in this pandemic. They're telling us that the unemployment rate could reach at much, as much as 30% in our nation. I want you to put your faith in God. Not in the statistics. Not in the models or the formulas of man. Because listen, friends. We have a solution. We have a hope. You and I can come to God in prayer as we have. And he can end this crisis in a moment. He can bring that list of perishing to an end. He can save the economy of the nation. But we must say like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even if he doesn't, we will not bow. We will put our trust in God. We will look to him for hope. And we will look to him for life. For he is our healer, our deliverer. He is our provider. He is our father. These next two weeks may be a dark valley for our nation. And perhaps longer than that. But he says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Do you remember that the Lord has been saying to you and me, walk into it? Never once in the Bible do we read, run, everybody run for your life. Every man save himself. Never once in the Bible do you hear God say that. Instead, what you hear him say is walk by faith. Walk by faith. Walk by faith. Walk forward in hope. Walk forward in confidence toward God. For though a thousand should rise against you, they will not be able to touch you. This is our confidence. This is our hope. That God is with us. And that if God be for us, who can be against us? These four lepers walked toward the Assyrian army. And when they got up to walk. Listen now. When they rose up to walk. The Bible says the Lord stood up with them. And as he walked with them. He brought in a noise upon the Assyrian army. And they thought they were being invaded. And attacked. And they began to run for their lives. So that by the time the lepers entered the camp. There was not a Syrian left behind. They came into the camp and there was food on the tables. Food enough to spare. There was a, a fine clothing in the closets ready to be worn. And that nation and that city was delivered. 
Because four men decided we will go forward in hope. This is our message this morning from the Almighty God. Go forward. Don't look back. Don't give up. Don't give in. God is with you. God is for you. God has a plan. God loves you. And God will give you the victory. You can march forward in hope this morning. Because on the other side of crisis is victory for the people of God. 2,000 years ago, Jesus marched into the city of Jerusalem. He knew that on the other side of that week was a cross. He knew that on the other side of that week would be the sacrifice for sins. But he went forward in hope, knowing that on the other side of the cross there was a crown. And on the other side of the grave there was a resurrection. And on the other side of death there is life. This morning, you and I can do the same. Put your eyes on Jesus and go forward in hope. Don't worry about tomorrow. It has enough cares of its own. Let God do that. You put your faith in God. Put your faith in the word of God. He'll see you through. Let's find our time of repentance. Let's believe the word we've heard. Let's march forward in confidence and in hope.